Good evening, everybody. It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at yeah, the Movies podcast for Friday, the 23rd of February, 2018. It's a Friday, ladies and gentlemen, but not for any bloody longer. I'm ready to hit Saturday in about, I'd say, 10 minutes, nearly. Eight minutes. Eh, 12. Um, now, the reason this is so late is I've just become off fresh off uh, watching Mute on uh, Netflix, which is Duncan Jones' new film. So I'll be talking about that uh, first, because that seems fresh off my brain. And um, I'm also going to be talking about The uh, Shape of Water, um, Del Toro's new one. So this is a bit of a, this is a, bit of a, uh, a mute episode. This is uh, talking about mute protagonists. And um, yeah, let's let's just let's get into it. Um, might as well just might kick off the review. Um, of it. a view of. Oh, sorry, there's something on my screen that said something. Okay. Um. So yeah, I might start off with mute. I normally start with a casual chit-chat, but I've got these feelings fresh in my mind, so I might as well start off by talking about Mute, and uh, we might talk about some other stuff at the end. Uh, Mute, yes, it's on Netflix. Uh, I think a trailer came out a couple of weeks ago. I knew this film was coming, but I had no idea it went to Netflix. Um, and then that trailer hit about three weeks ago, and then it said Netflix February 23rd. I'm like, holy shit, that's so soon. Also, Netflix. Weird. And Netflix gets another film. Um... And the reason I said that was because uh, Cloverfield Paradox like, just went straight, came out of Netflix like out of nowhere um, for the Cloverfield film. And um, now we get this, and then we get another film, which I'll be talking about also after Shape of Water. Um, I've got to talk about this, because um, I'm, I'm a bit... I don't know. I'm not happy about it. But um, I'll get into that later. So, uh, yeah, Mute is written and directed by Duncan Jones. Um, if you don't know Duncan Jones, he did Moon uh, with Sam Rockwell and uh, Kevin Spacey voiced the robot thing. But we don't talk about Kevin Spacey now, don't we? That's okay, because Sam Rockwell was the best part of that film anyway. So, um, yes, uh, he's in it. And then uh, I believe he did Warcraft, which I wasn't didn't really watch. And apparently it didn't even go well either. But uh, I didn't really watch it because I'm not really into World of Warcraft that much. But um, I do respect Duncan Jones as a filmmaker because I do I really enjoyed Moon and I thought it one as one of the better uh, sci-fi films that we have here today. And um, I thought that was really really well done. And um, Sam Rockwell in that film, come on, that was when I first started noticing Sam Rockwell. I'm just like this dude, he's he's. He's going places. And then you see him pop up in all these other films. And you're like, where is this man's fucking Oscar? So hopefully we'll, be, we'll see uh, Rockwell take that home next uh, Saturday. I don't know, Saturday. I think it's Saturday, March 2nd. March 2nd in America, so it'll be Saturday, I think. Friday, Saturday? I don't know. Hopefully he takes the best supporting actor's Oscar. I'm hoping, hoping he does. That's my pick anyway. Uh, but we're not talking about uh, Moon. We're talking about Mute. Uh, so Mute stars Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Paul Rudd, out of, out of, yep, out of everyone, Paul Rudd's in this, and, uh, Justin Theroux, and, um, 
There's another people in it as well, but those are your three mains. And uh, I'm not too sure who plays his wife or his partner that goes missing. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's his wife. It's just his partner, I think, in the plot. Um, I'm not too sure who plays that, but she was good too. Um, but yeah, so it's about a mute bartender who Skarsgård plays. Very well, might I add. He's, he's good in this movie. He's, I don't really take, haven't really took advantage of Skarsgård. Um, notice, sorry, of Skarsgård, but in this movie, yeah, he was really good. He was good in this movie. Um, I mean, I liked him in, uh, was it, was he in Man From U.N.C.L.E.? Was he in, was he in that movie? I liked him in that movie. I didn't really like him in War and Everyone. Um, and then Tarzan, I, I don't know, I just didn't really pay attention to. But I believe he's in Vikings too, but I haven't, I haven't, I'm, I don't watch Vikings. Anyway, he just seemed like a, I know he was in this, all the generic films as well with, uh, he was in a film with Arigot Breslin, I think, that was just fucking terrible. Um, but he's in, uh, he's in this one. And he plays a mute bartender who is trying to find his missing partner who's played by, um, just, I'm going to, I don't even know her name, but she's worked. She's great. And, um, he has to, to order to find her. He has to go up against, uh, the criminals of this city. Now this city is set in Berlin 30 years later from now. So it's in the future. It's very Blade Runner-ish, Blade Runner-esque. Uh, very, well, another film that was, um, futuristic. There's another one. Um, fuck, I'm, I'm losing it. Anyway, it's very, you can tell it's very much inspired by Blade Runner. A lot of sci-fi as well. Um, there's a lot of like, um, not actual product placement, but made up products. Um, there's a lot of consumerism you can tell in this film. Um, Berlin is a very, uh, I guess it's a, it's quite rejuvenated, but also there's an underbelly that is not to be messed with. And, um... So Skarsgård plays this bartender at this club and pretty much uh, one evening his wife comes home and, uh, sorry, not wife, partner. It's never said that she's his wife. <laughs> I've got to keep remembering that. She comes home and she says, I've got to leave. There's no reason. She just leaves and she disappears the next day and he has to, he spends the whole movie trying to find her. And he bumps into Paul Rudd on the along the way. He bumps into Justin Theroux along the way. He bumps into a lot of fucking people. Now, I like I like this movie. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I thought it was good. Um, there's a lot. There's a things I didn't really enjoy about it. But uh, let's start with let's start with some good stuff. Uh, world building. Uh, it, it's. It, it, it's uh, you can tell Duncan Jones spent a lot of time on this. Um, I know because I saw the early concept art for this film, and um, I just loved all the images. I was talking to my mate about it, and we just loved the images that he was sharing the the, the early art. Uh, the, the The world looks really interesting. Um, it looks really cool, uh, and then the character designs came out, and that, that was really cool too. But I lo- what I loved about it was. Um, it just remind it, it honestly it did remind me of Blade Runner because like that's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of sci-fi in the future, futuristic city Blade Runner. Um, especially with lots of um, 
uh, consumerism and um, I guess a lot of uh, activities that would, I guess, uh, a lot of criminals, let's say. Sorry, just drinking some water because uh, it's a hot motherfucker today, wasn't it? Jesus Christ. I, 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 uh, I got uh, surprised there. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, uh, the, he, like I, I, I got the gist that he did spend a lot of time on this film because um, we saw that concept died on, what, 2016, I think? And then uh, we thought it was coming out the next year and then we got revealed that it's coming out this year. Um, today. Uh, well, could be not today. Actually, yeah, still today. So I was, I was pretty, I wasn't keen about, like, I wasn't super keen. I was pretty excited about it. Then I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, okay, alright, okay. Uh, I was a bit, like, the world didn't look that good as it did in the concept art, but then again, what the fuck does, to be honest? Um, everything in our minds doesn't always plan out, or, sorry, we, everything we plan in our minds that, it doesn't always turn out um, how we pictured it. And as a filmmaker, that that, that's, um, that is rings very true. <laughs> uh, I liked... I thought Alexander Skarsgård was great in this movie. Um, I thought his performance was great. I loved I loved Paul Rudd in this movie. I always... There again, I always loved Paul Rudd. I'm a massive fan of Paul Rudd. But I thought he was good in this movie. He plays a great arsehole. He plays a great arsehole. Like, he plays a good, funny dude, but this guy in this movie is a fucking prick. Like, he is an arsehole. He will do whatever it takes to get... Um... To get what he wants. And that's what I appreciated about his character. He would do anything to protect his daughter, to protect uh, what is his pretty much given right. Um, he's trying to get papers to get out of the city. Because he's been in Berlin for a while, he's kind of he's AWOL from the uh, military service. So the U.S. military service is trying to find him, and he's kind of AWOL and living in this futuristic Berlin. Um, well, I guess Berlin. If we take, if it's in the future, it's just Berlin. Uh, and he's just hiding out, and he's with this friend. I'm just going to say friend, uh, ex-lover. I'm not too sure. So this is this is where the this is where the uh, Cons come in, but I won't. I won't start there yet. Um, I thought the plot was interesting. I thought it was in, uh, intriguing there, and I liked the score as well by Clint Mansell. Uh, the score was uh, was good. It kept you, I don't know, kept you invested in the movie. And that's what scores are uh, supposed to do, I, I guess. But um, yeah, I. Skarsgård, with the, Skarsgård is the one that carries this film. Paul Rudd is the one that you stay for. Um, and... Like, everybody else is just kind of there, I guess. Uh, but they're kind of part of the world. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I liked about it. Uh, but this, unfortunately, it's not... A gr- I can't say it's a great film. Um, it's, it's pretty good. I'll just say that. It's pretty good. Um... I liked the way he, um, I also liked the way that Skarsgård's character, his mute character, uh, communicated with people. He would use not just sign language, he'd have this notepad that he carries around. This is what I like. The differences between our mute protagonists I'll be talking about in the podcast. Skarsgård's character carries around a notepad and writes messages on this notepad 
Sometimes he just does these looks or these, sometimes he does very basic sign language, but he's most of the time he's drawing pictures on this notepad and he's doodling on this notepad and sometimes writing messages as well. Mostly writing messages. Um, sometimes just, mostly just threatening people, to be honest. But also asking a lot of questions, like obviously he's looking for his wife, so he's going to be asking a lot of questions to these people um, through this notepad. And he also uses the notepad to get more uh, steps ahead to find his partner as well. So, um, yeah. That's what I liked about this movie. I like the characters. The characters are clear. They are, um, except a few of them, but Skarsgård's character is clear. I know what he, like, I liked, I knew his flaws, um, and I knew the person he was and his beliefs and everything like I that's what I loved about his character Paul Rudd's character is the same he's very clear he's very you know exactly what he wants you know exactly what he would do to get it you know exactly he, you know what his weaknesses are you know what he's you know the kind of person he is and that's what I like about when characters are built um and created just um they have a life you know they have a life they don't have they don't just there's not just there's this objective objective I've got to get to that objective they have feelings. They've got. They've got story. They've got, and that's what I like about it. Um, yeah, here's where my cons come in. Justin Thoreau's character, um, I hated. Um, didn't like his character at all. I think he plays as duck. Um, obviously, he's supposed to be pretty creepy because he does. Have a, he does have a secret that I'm not going to get into. But I just every line of like uh, not every line but just about every line of dialogue has babe in it and just I just could have done without it uh, it's very fucking repetitive um, he just says babe all the time especially to poor Rudd's character and that also leads me into something as well some of these characters some of the connections are very vague and they're very just muddy and you don't know what their connections are and uh, I just I didn't know what the connection was between Paul Rudd's character of, uh, Bill Cactus and, um, Thoreau's character of Duck, or, I don't even know the fuck his first name, I couldn't even play less because I just didn't like his character. Um, I didn't know if they were just, like, ex-lovers in the military, they could have been, but then they sounded like they were just friends, and it sounds like they were joking about things, he said they'd be clearer, there's dialogue very, it, it kind of contradicts what the story is kind of setting out for these characters. And, um, I just, yeah, I, I just found that really weird and just babe all the time. I couldn't deal with it anymore. <laughs> like, I'll definitely probably watch the movie again because I do enjoy the movie, but, um, oh, just him saying babe all the time. Oh, jeez. I couldn't. I would watch this movie again for Skarsgård and Rudd. That's the movie. That's the reason you watch this movie. Um, because they're the two best characters in the film. Uh, Rudd would probably be my favourite, because I'm just, as I said, massive fan of Paul Rudd, and I just like this character. His character was a snarky asshole, but you knew exactly what he wanted, and he was he had integrity. Um, but then again, he's a pretty... He does some pretty fucked up shit. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but, uh, what was that? What's I talking about again? Oh, yeah, fucking Justin Froh's character. Yeah, I just could have... I don't know. He was kind of there in the end. But, I don't know, I could have... Maybe I could have done without him. Um, yeah, I just... just don't think he was needed. 
some of these characters are just, I don't know. They make up the world, but sometimes they could have just not been there. This other character um, could have not been there. Uh, I just, yeah. So I'm money connection. I was money on connections. I was money on. Uh, what I also don't like in film is when they, uh, when you've understood what's happened, but yet they have to take the time to explain it to you, either through a flashback or a recalled memory, and that just really, I don't know. As a avid uh, film watcher, I just. Um, I, I just, I know, like, I've understood, we've put that together, I think a general audience could put that together as well, um, could put that together and be like, oh, okay, that's, that's that, that's that, but then yet, uh, they choose to go with, uh, like a recall part of dialogue from before, or a memory that he must have had, um, and then some of these things are even, like, there's a lot of plot holes, and some of these things... I don't know how he could remember. I guess it was the poison, um, the thing he might have been, I don't know. I don't want to, again, I don't want to spoil it, but there's some scenes where I'm just like, how could he see that? How could a character see that? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it is. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit mixed. I'm a bit mixed on this one. Uh, I didn't have high expectations for it, but I was pretty excited for it because um, I like Duncan Jones and Paul Rudd is one of my favorites. And um, it was interesting to see Alexander Skarsgård take on a, such a different project, such a different character, such a different protagonist. And it's it's interesting to see that the person that is the mute person, that is the mute character in this film, is one of the best characters. And that all goes to Skarsgård's performance. Um, and then the second, my favorite character was obviously, uh, Bill Cactus. It was just, he was funny. Um, also there's, there's a shifting of tone very dramatically as well throughout the film, just in different situations. Uh, there's a scene in, uh, the, the lab where, um, or the, the clinic where Justin Thoreau's character works at, Duck. He works at, and there's just a scene there where I just thought the tone just went like that, then it went bang, went back to that, lost momentum, then we're back to this, and it just, I don't know, it felt, it could have been done better, um, but yeah, I, I, again, I just, there's just a lot of that, there's a lot of that in this film, there's a lot of, is it going to be, is it going to be funny, obviously, Paul Rudd's character is supposed to be the comedic relief for the film, for the audience, to say some funny stuff, and he can pull it off because he is a funny person. Uh, but the dialogue he is given, though, written by Duncan Jones, is is good. Like this part of the story is good. Uh, the dialogue through most of these people are pretty pretty funny, um, clever even. But again, there's just that you know, there's just that um, thing of just it being. I don't know. Fine, a movie that's fine is the one of the worst things to me. Um, but I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, up, I'll boost that fine to pretty good because I'm probably gonna watch it again. Um, and I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll have more probably more words about it. But as an initial watch, I just thought it was pretty good. It's not great. It's not bad. It's not, but it's also not great. It's pretty good. Um, 
and I'll give it that. But if, if you want to check it out, it's right. It's on Netflix. Um, it's on Netflix right now. It literally came out today, uh, or yesterday actually. I just checked the clock. But it came out on the twenty third, and you can go check it out. But apparently, it's well, not apparently. Um, literally, it's on net. It's not on Netflix's homepage. They're not really, I don't know, advertising it. I had to actually search it. I couldn't even look through recently added. I couldn't even look through because I've, like, I've been waiting for this film to come out. So I went straight to Netflix tonight and went to recently added. I uh, couldn't find it anywhere, and then I went to. Um, Uh, what, what did I go to? Uh, new releases. New releases just added. And that's where I usually find all the stuff that I'm looking for, right? Um, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. So I actually had to search mute in the search bar and then it was then it finally come up. Because I was just like... I was like, wait a minute. No, like... Tw- it said 23rd of February in Australia. Netflix Australia. Went on YouTube. Uh, looked at the trailer and it said 23rd. Yep. Netflix Aussie New Zealand. 23rd of February. I was like, what the fuck is it? So I actually had to search it and then it come up. And I was like, oh, okay, there it is. Isn't that weird? Usually they do with their new releases. They put it in that that uh, I don't know if you on the on the computer on Netflix, on the PC or the laptop or whatever the fuck you have. Uh, they have the big the big posters that you can like slide through that you like click through and then it shows the new releases. Like a, for example, it had um on uh, Netflix's homepage here. It had uh, Tambourine by Chris Rock. I still got to still got to watch because that's directed by Bo Burnham. But also it's a Chris Rock special, so I'll give that a watch. And uh, when we first met, which I've still got to watch as well. And a bunch of other stuff. Altered Carbon as well. That's another show I need to get into. But I've really got no time for TV shows at the moment. Um, because of the uh, major project has well and truly started. So uh, really got the time for no TV series. Literally just watching movies. Uh, but yeah, that's what I think of Mute. It's It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, go on Netflix, give it a watch. It's only about two hours. I think it's about two hours exactly. So, um, yeah, it's pretty good. Right. Uh, moving on to a film. Uh, moving on to something bigger, I guess. We're talking Oscars, but we're talking, uh, just a fucking fantastic film. Uh, The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water is directed by Guillermo del Toro. It's written by Guillermo del Toro. Pretty much, he just had everything to do with it. Like this is his film. This is his story, and he and he and he wanted to tell it. And my God, oh, fuck, he told it. <laughs> um, it stars Sally Hawkins, and she plays a mute uh, janitor who works in this government facility. And when they bring in this new asset, which turns into be turns out to be this uh, amphibian creature. Um, now I say amphibian because he can kind of breathe on land for a bit before he has to be put in water, so I don't really call him a fish monster. He's more of an amphibian to me. Um, so they bring in this thing, they torture it, and uh, they they also just pretty much uh, Michael Shannon, who plays the big head of the big evil dude. But I, I wouldn't say he's evil, but he's just he has. You know, he, he, he wants to get a job done. He wants to please his superior. Um, I'll get into character and character development in a bit. But um, he wants to pretty much kill this thing or cut it open and find out what it's like. Sally Hawkins wants to save it. 
And uh, Michael Stuhlbarg's character wants to use it for research, more research, because he is not going to fucking tell you. <laughs> I don't think I should spoil it here because this film just needs to be seen. It's a, it's a fucking beautiful movie. And uh, it needs to be seen uh, on the big screen. It needs to be seen in its full glory on the big screen. My God. Um, but yeah, Sally Hawkins plays this uh, mute janitor. He's trying to get. This, he works at this guy's facility with her friend Octavia Spencer, and uh, she she's trying to get this. She gets this. She wants to get this amphibian creature. I'll say this. She wants to get this amphibian creature out of the facility, and that's all I'm going to say. She wants to get it out. But once you get it there, you got to watch it. Um, you also got Richard Jenkins in this film. Uh, he plays her neighbor, who is a homosexual. And uh, I thought that was really... His character was very interesting and very cool. But uh, let's just start. My God. This film had me from the opening credits. This, The opening credits is something fucking mesmerizing. It's... It starts off with this... You're just in... You just see this thing in the water and then you just... Oh my god, I wanted to swim in it. I wanted to swim in the opening credits. It's fucking words on a screen and I wanted to get in there and be in that world already. He, he builds his world from frame one. And that is what I love about this movie. From frame one, production design is nailed. Cinematography is fucking nailed down down the middle. Um, yeah, production design, set design, everything about this score. The world is built from frame one. It's incredible. Sally Hawkins, she goes on her usual routine. She goes to the facility, blah, blah, blah. She goes the next day. Uh, he's nailed fucking, what is it, 1980s, 1960s, 19- I think it's 1980s. Um... During the Cold War. When was the, when was the Cold War? 1970s, 80s? Um, Cold War. Do a bit of research here. What the... F- Whoa. That's a... Okay. Well, I think it was... Alright, you know what? Just look at the... Let's look at the plot to the movie. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get it up. I don't want too much silence on the shape. I'm pretty sure it takes place in the 1980s. Um, during the Cold War era. Because they're talking about... There's, there's a lot of Russian shit in this movie. 1960s! My God, I'm fucking 20 years off. 1960s. Um, but yeah. Uh, she... Okay, I'll give you a bit more. She t- she gets the amphibian and she pretty much starts a relationship with this f- creature. A relationship. Yes, I said that I said that. A relationship. But now don't let that sway you from this film. Just when you hear a relationship with some sort of cuz I hate how people's fucking it's it's really I don't know. It's really I don't want to use the phrase grind on my gears cuz I'm not a fucking 50-year-old man, but uh I don't know, it's, it's kind of annoying me that people are just calling this movie, oh, this shit just falls in love with a fish monster. This, this, this relationship is better than most relationships today. Like, 
This this thing is a, just a. Their relationship is kind of a phenomenon. It's incredible. Uh, the way he's developed these characters, the way he's built the story, the way he's done everything about this movie. Let, let's start with the story. The dialogue is fantastic. The screenplay is so good. Uh, the characters, the way they're developed throughout the movie, they all have these, these, um, they all have these arcs. Michael Shannon has a fucking arc, for God's sake, and he's the antagonist. Everybody has an arc in this movie. Richard Jenkins has an arc, and he's just the neighbor. Uh, wow. Uh, Octavia... Spencer as well, she's fantastic. Everybody in this movie is giving their fucking is giving their best. Sorry if I keep swearing, but that's what I get. That's what I. Everybody knows that's what I do when I get passionate. Uh, everybody's giving their best in this movie. Every single person. But if I've got to nail it down, it has to be Sally Hawkins. It has to be Sally Hawkins, and I can see why uh, Del Toro actually wrote this film for her, and uh, he always had her in mind. And my God, she plays it well. How the fuck does a mute protagonist? Again, again with Mute, but again with this movie, be the best character in this film, it's because of her performance. It's because of the way she does it, and the way she... The way you fall in love with uh, Eliza. Eliza? Eliza? She has an S on her name, so I'm not going to call her Eliza or Eliza. I'm just going to call her Eliza. You fall in love with Eliza just straight away. Straight away. And it's because of Sally Hawkins. Um, Let's get the cinematography. It's fucking gorgeous. It's gorgeous, it's it's lush, it leaps off the screen and takes your eyes and says, Look at me. I'm fucking beautiful. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, you've got me, you've got me. That's what I said. I was hooked from this film from frame one. Nothing, nothing disappointed me in this movie. Nothing made me I had I honestly I don't have I don't know if I have any flaws either. Just like Lady Bird, I don't have flaws in this movie. There's I wanna see it again, but I don't have money. <laughs> Uh, I've got no money to go and see it. I need to actually go see... Because I haven't locked off all the films yet, so I need to go see Phantom Thread next, and I've heard the cinematography in that is gorgeous as well. Um, I'm a bit of a PT. I'm not a fanatic about Paul Thomas Anderson, but I do enjoy his films. And um, so I'm keen to see Phantom Thread, but let's get back to this movie. Um, Doug Jones, who plays the amphibian. My God. Again, just... Doug Jones is like, uh, uh, what's his name? Fucking, what's Gollum? Uh, Andy Serkis. He is the Andy Serkis of uh, practical effects, and that's what I like about. That's what I like about Del Toro. He's he's aesthetic. He is all over his style, his aesthetic, his touch is all over this film. He's. I feel like he's gone back to Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, we've, he's, he's certainly reached it again. Like Pacific Rim was fine. It was fine. I found it entertaining, but I just didn't feel like Del Toro. Crimson Peak was, the story was a bit shit, to be honest, but it was a gothic romance and it was obviously, it was advertised as something different, a horror film, but it was more of a gothic romance set in this beautiful mansion. Cause that's what I've got to give that film. The production design of that film is just beautiful. Um, and I want to fucking live in that mansion. <laughs> Even though I was fucking... I went to watch that movie with my friends. Uh, and uh, one of them, uh, my fr- a friend of mine, she uh, 
she just like me. We don't like scary stuff. So every time there was like a loud noise or anything, we'd be like a couple of bitches with our fucking hands in our ears and everything. And, uh, you know, and the other, our other mate just uh, fucking sitting there enjoying the movie. But we just like every loud noise. We're, oh, God. We're a couple of, I was screaming. Fucking hell. It's embarrassing. But that's in the past. <laughs> um, again, he's that's what I mean. He's just come. He's come straight. He's, it's full Del Toro in this movie. It's all over him. And I feel nobody could have done this movie except Del Toro. Nobody could have done this like he has. It's it's just it's him. It's him. And he can tell how passionate he is about this monster, how passionate he is about monsters. Again, going back to going back to his speech at the Golden Globes, it was fucking heartwarming that speech. And very inspiring as well, uh, as a filmmaker. And he just tell he loves this world. He loves it. He revels in it. He revels in this and he and and I'll get into a little bit of what he Maybe what he's trying to say, but what I got from it in a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just got to say that. he's. I hope he wins the best director. I really do. Um, he really deserves it. He's my, he's my pick now for best director. As much as I uh, like uh, Greta Gerwig, sorry, as much as I loved Lady Bird and, and uh, respect Greta Gerwig's um, filmmaking in that, in that part, Del Toro, my God, this this movie is just—it's one of the most fantastical, uh, gorgeous. Just uh, I, 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 don't find, I can't even find words to describe how this movie affected me, and how this film just pulled me in. I just I very rarely does a film pull you in from frame fucking one. From the first shot in this movie, it just, it had me. I was in it. I'm like, yep, you've got me. you got me already. We're in the five, first five minutes. I'm already buying the world. I'm buying everything about it. I'm buying the romance between her and the amphibian dude. Incredible. I'm out of water. Fuck. Um, I'm really out of water, though. Damn it. Sweating like a fucking a sauna already in here. Um... God, let's get down to characters. So yeah, Sally Hawkins is is so good. Uh, Richard Jenkins was another great person in this movie. Um, his character had such a, a great arc as well. Everybody in this film, what I, what I respected about this film was everybody had some sort of thing that made them different, that made them, that was kind of holding them back, that feels like they could hold them back. Uh, Sally Hawkins with her, um, uh, with her uh, muteness, with her kind of uh, disability. I guess uh, Richard Jenkins with his homosexuality and his... Um, it seemed to be what happened with his previous job. Something happened there. Um, even Michael Shannon. Octavia Spencer as well. She's like the snarky one. And she's kind of like... Com- kind of the comic relief. She says some funny shit. The whole audience was laughing. Um, Michael Shannon as well has... You know what he wants as well. You know what he... And that's what I like about villains. I know... That's what I like about a good villain. Sorry, let me just reiterate. A good villain. A good villain is someone that... The best villains in film history are the ones that believe they're right. That they believe they're doing the right thing. Not just the... Like the... Ha ha ha. You've fallen into my trap. I'm going to kill you. It's the ones that have passion. It's the ones that have a goal. And it's the ones that believe they're doing the right thing. 
they have their own agenda. And they they believe they're doing the right thing. They believe and they're going after it no matter what gets it gets in their way. And that's what that's what I like about good great villains. Um and so I loved about Michael Shannon's villain, uh, Strickland, I think his name was. Strickland. Um, he All he wanted to do was just, pretty much, he wanted to, you know, ret- I guess retain his title. There's a lot of, I feel there's a lot of uh, oppression of masculinity as well in this film. Um, especially with Sally Hawkins and Octavia Spencer being the janitors of this facility. And him just being this, I guess this... Um, Overseer, I guess. And he can pretty much do whatever he wants because he's running the place. Even though he's just a representative from somewhere else, he's running the place while this creature is in captivity here. And um, I did get a bit of hint of that. I, I did get a bit of uh, mascul- um, masculine oppression. So, um, I props to Del Toro for that. Uh, I guess if he wants to get that across, that's what I got anyway. Um... Let's get to Michael Stuhlbarg. Holy shit, he's good. Michael Stuhlbarg. What? Where did he come from? Where? Did, what was he doing? What was he doing over here? What was he? Where did he come from, man? He was fucking awesome in Fargo season three. He was one of my favorite characters in Fargo season three. He just fucking pops out of nowhere and call me by your name. No, he doesn't come out of nowhere, but he just—he's in Call Me by Your Name. He's the father. He's my favorite character in Call Me by Your Name. The father. Uh, he has the best fucking monologue in one of the most recent years in film. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say the decade because that monologue hit me fucking hard. That monologue at the end of calling my name. Anyway, and wait, he's in something else too, but I can't. What else is he in? He's in something else, like recently. Anyway, I can't put my phone in bed. He's fucking good in this movie too, and he's got he's got some secrets, but I won't talk about him. He's got some secrets. And, uh, I, yeah, I really, I, fuck, he was great. Loved him. Loved him. Loved Octavia Spencer. Just everyone in this movie. Everyone in this movie, man. They're great. They're good. Even the wife and kids. Even the wife and kids of Strickland. I was just like, all right. Great. (laughs) They were great. He wants to have, Strickland, his thing that, he, he wants to have power. He wants to have... Um, he wants to have complete control, and when he loses that, that's his weakness. When he loses that, that's when his, I guess, his weaknesses and his wounds start to show. And um, characters, protagonists, I guess, take full advantage of that in this movie. But what I think, um, aside from this film just being phenomenal, and if it gets, I really hope it. If three billboards doesn't get best picture, I want this one to win. I want this one to be second. Um, as much as I love Ladybird, as much as I love Get Out, um, as much as I love Three Billboards, and Three Billboards possibly could win, but if do- if it doesn't, I want Shape of Water to take it home because Del Toro does, he, he deserves this. Every person involved in this movie deserves anything they get because this movie is just. It's it's so unforgettable and so indescribable, and it just hits you. It hits you. It hits you. It gets you, and it makes you fall in love. And you can tell his passion for cinema as well. There's so many scenes where they're they're they're, they're, they're in a movie theater, uh, they're watching a movie on TV, 
Um, the, the scene in the movie theater, by the way. All right, that that got me. <laughs> um, uh, fucking yeah, that he has. You can see his love for cinema, his passion. He wants to keep it alive. Uh, it just again, like La La Land, maybe fall in love with film. This does it. This does the same exact thing. This makes me fall in love with cinema. It makes me love with film. He uses every single tool that cinema has. And he does it fucking just beautifully. Beautifully. Um, it's it's great. It's great. And I think it's... You better catch it before it leaves because this it's, it's one of the best films of the year. Um, and... Unfortunately, I probably will not be on my top ten list because what I do is I don't really count the Oscar movies in because they were in two thousand, they were in America in two thousand seventeen, so I don't really count them. But if it was part of some sort of top ten, mate, it'd be like top three for sure. Um, maybe even one. I don't know. Things change. By 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 God, you need to go out and see this film. Uh, you need to go out and buy a ticket. You need to go out and support it because Del Toro. Um, filmmakers, I'm talking to filmmakers out there. Del Toro is 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 doing what we want to do. He's he's making original cinema, and he's making it just so. Oh, I don't know. Like, there's got to be another word for beautiful. I can't find any more words to to describe it. He's doing it to the best of his ability. He's mastered his craft. And uh, it's his easily his I don't know but uh Pan's Labyrinth I do I like I like Pan's Labyrinth. Um I don't know. I I like this I think I like this film more, man. I think I like this film more. I think I do. I I don't know. It's it's at the moment I I just I do. I think I do. Maybe it got me somewhere else. Maybe he's done something where he's just like fucking ah, there you go. Take one of the heartstrings. He's done something, man. And he's done it well. And there's so many themes in this movie as well, which I'll get into right now, that are present in today's society. Um, there's a there's so they're so subtle, and that's what I love about them. They're just subtle. They just want they're peppered in. They're not bashing you over the head like Aronofsky last year of Mother. They just pep it in, and then you get them. You're like, okay, all right, that's what he means. Uh, there's again, there's uh, masculine oppression. There's um, uh, discrimination, especially against African American people. There is uh, there's uh, there's there's prejudice against homosexuals, and also it's quite political as well. Um, it's quite it's quite political, especially with the Russian subplot, um, which I won't get, get that much into. But the Russian subplot, um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's quite political. It says a lot about our current day uh, government. Our especially, I, I got to say, especially in the United States. Apparently, it was. It, it, What's going on now in the United States, he's done, he's commented on well, and he's done it just without, like, pushing it down your throat, like some fucking pages, and 
Like you go past these pages on Facebook and they're just they're just shoving it down your throat. I get it, man. Trump's a fucking dickhead. I get it. A reality TV star is running the country. I get it. But um, the way he does in this film, the way he mixes all these elements together, it's it's just it's so well done. He's and. The message as well. There's so many messages, especially there's animal cruelty. There's, uh, there's. I guess when we see unfamiliar things, the first a lot of again, yeah, yeah, about humanity. I guess, um, our own humanity, our own kindness, our own. If if something is unfamiliar to us, we just we seem to just the first thing we want to do is attack it. We want to cause it harm because it's it's not normal. It's not part of our life. It's not this, especially this amphibian creature. It's not a life form that we're familiar with. So the first thing we want to do is cut it open and look at it and see how it works. And that's what we do. We're scared of the unfamiliar, and that's what he's trying to. That's what I got. I got. He's trying to say monsters. What makes a monster really? What makes a monster? Because this thing has feelings, this thing can, uh, this thing can fucking create connections between people. It can, it has the ability to love. And that doesn't seem, that doesn't sound like a monster to me. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like one. And that's, again, that just comes from him. It comes from his, the way he's, the way, the way he thinks and his, and what he believes in, and I, I totally bought the whole thing. I bought the whole thing. Um, if I haven't said enough, the Shape of Water is a absolutely fantastic film, and everything is so well done. Everything down to a T is just. so meticulously and perfectly crafted that I can't I just can't find anything to bump it down I can't I can't find any problems with it because it's like sorting through a debris of a burnt house you can't find what you know what did it even this this thing's not a burnt house this thing's like the Eiffel Tower and it didn't burn down this thing's fucking standing tall and it's it's creating discussions and it's it's got a message and it's got it's got a lot of positive things to say but it's also got a lot of it's got a lot of guts um and i appreciated that so much with this film del toro well done fuck me well done um back to form he's got to be one of the most he's got to be the one of the most visionary filmmakers living today and I'm, I'm saying that with 100% honesty. He's one of the most visionary filmmakers living today. And that's... With this film, he had a vision. And he went with it 100%. 100 200%. It's his... Everything about him is all over it. I, I just can't believe that this... 
thing could get made nowadays. Like, not in a bad way. I just think that, what was the pitch? I just have to think, what was the pitch? So it's about a girl, it's about a mute girl that falls in love with an amphibian. And they have this wonderful relationship. There's themes of all this, 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 that. And they bought it. They said, yeah, let's make this film. Let's do it. Let's make something different and let's make something that can can, can possibly even change cinema. And change the way we think, change the way we look at monsters. Because it certainly has done that to me. It's affected me in such a massive way that I've just been... It's, it's like a wrecking ball that's just went bang and I'm still reeling from the crash. Um, yeah, man. Fuck, I'm, so, I'm sweating so much. It is a fucking soda in here. And I can yell because no one's fucking here. Um, it's a sauna. My God. Oh man. Go see it. Just, just go. Just, just tomorrow. Just buy a ticket and just go see it. Because you will not regret it. It's something different, and I tell you what, it's not for the kids either. If you see like a, if you see, a, um, let's just say it in their generic sense, fish man, and. Uh, um, a woman, uh, a flawed but just phenomenal woman, and that's what that's what another message this movie has is about turning weaknesses into strengths, appreciating your, uh, I guess. I don't know, appreciating that these, the things that hold you back, uh, just finding other people that have the same thing and sharing in something great. Sharing in something, I guess, yeah, sharing the same thing you love, sharing in the same things you believe, finding people that are just like you. And isn't that just fucking... It's amazing to, fo- to, to find those sort of people. Um, and that's... Like, not just like you, but... Uh, you know... When you, when, you, when you meet someone, you know when... You want to... You want to... Spend your time with that person. You just know. And that, that's, that goes for every single one of my... Um, every single one of my uh, very close friends. Um... Males and females. I know exactly what... You know, what attracted to me them first. It's everything about them that... I appreciate. And that's what... That's why I keep them close. And that's why I... That's why, you know, I love them so much. Um, Getting back to it, yeah. Go see it. Uh, It's not for the kids. Um, not for the kids. Jeez, I got a little bit, got a little bit truthful there, didn't I? Jesus, <clears throat> didn't know this was fucking Dateline. Um, yeah, this is this is not for you, the kids, because you know he's got a story and he's going to tell it. He wants to show every single part of 
uh, his brain, this screenplay, he, he wants to show every single part of it, flaws and all, and I love The Shape of Water. It's incredible. Fuck! All right. Jeez, I wish I had a cinnamon book. I really wish I had a cinnamon book. Because the amount of times I can say beautiful and fantastic in one sentence, like if, if you do, turn that into a drinking game, you may die. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your alcoholism. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jesus Christ, I need to find more words. I need to look up synonyms. Like when I write, I do, I do look for synonyms for words. Holy fuck. I'm sweating so much that I think my... Stomach is turning into a waterfall. Um, yeah, I, I do. I look. I look for other words because you don't want to repeat. The thing about when you're writing and formatting, especially that you don't want to repeat the, uh, the the same words over and over again. So you got to find synonyms. And I really wish I had like a synonym book when I was doing this podcast and describing movies because that's all I can find to say: beautiful, beautiful, and fantastic. Um, is is all I seem to come up with, and all, all that, all that uh, my vocabulary seems to expand to. So there's that. Right. <laughs> well, we're about to reach the hour mark, but I just want to quickly say, uh, major projects has well and truly started. Um, I am very and pleased to say that my director of photography is my best friend in Sydney. So that's. That's uh, that's awesome. That's such a, I don't know. It's gonna be such a good time, I guess. Good time. It's another movie on Netflix I need to watch. Good time. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I've onto the third, 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 fourth, fourth draft, I think, of the film. Uh, I had some trouble kind of coming up with the idea and executing it. But I feel with this latest draft, I've got it down. It's clear now. Um, everything's intact. Everything I want to say is intact. Um, and uh, everything is, I don't know, kind of right about it. So I'm keen to get started. Um, I'm looking, probably going to look for a production designer this time around. Because it's going to be very... The aesthetic I want to go for, I'm just not going to achieve that by myself. I just, I would definitely need someone's help. Um, so I'm probably going to get a production designer on board. That's exciting. Uh, and I know exactly what I, what I do want for the aesthetic. Uh, probably not, not exactly, but I have a very, um, let's just say transparent idea of, uh, of what I want. Um, is it transparent or is it, what's translucent? Is that the one where you can look through or? That's translucent. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Fuck you. I have Google right next to me. <laughs> um, yeah, translucent. Sorry, not transparent. Translucent idea. It's not fully transparent yet. It's translucent. Nothing's into like nothing's really fully developed, but I have an idea of what I, want, what I want it to look like, the world to be, to look like, the aesthetic. Again, with world building, I learned a lot about production design last year of world building. Um, 
the last film didn't have too much production design. There was a bit more added to it. But this film, I think, is going to have a lot of production design and it's going to have... It needs to have that world be clearly addressed in this film. So, looking forward to doing that. Looking forward to bringing that out to you when I graduate in June. Every single film will be available after that. So, that'd be fun. Uh, happy news about Longland. Uh, we finished the final grade on that. We've legit finished the final grade. It's not just, uh, I've, I've got it. I've got a copy of it. I just need to run it through Avid and do a few, um, sound tweaks and polishes, even though I'd said that last year, but, uh, turns out we cropped this file got corrupted somehow. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but we did the grade again and it's done. And I need to run it through Avid and do a few sound um, tweaks and polishes and add a new score into it because the current one is pretty fucking shit. So um, I just got to add a few uh, things onto that and just just make it nice. Just buff it up, buff it up, make it nice. And then they'll be ready to uh, travel around the festival circuit. So that'll be fun. Uh, In the meantime, I'm probably going to take a few stills and do some promotional posters as well. So um, and get that done. And hopefully, um, very soon, I can start creating beautiful game. But um, I know that uh, the seniors will be very uh, seniors at our school are going to be very focused on doing um, getting our major projects across as well and getting that grading work done there. Um, yeah, very excited to dive into this one. Um, as much as the last world I dived into, I'm very excited to dive into this one. As much as it how horrific it may seem, uh, excited to get started. Uh, I'm also very, like, I might sound, even though I was quite lively before, I might sound a bit drained because, again, I'm in a fucking sauna of a room um, uh, without this fan. It's just absolutely just, it's, 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 uh, I don't know how people could live like this. But, uh, no, I learned today from my friend, from uh, my Indian mate, He's just like, oh, come to India in fucking February, you'll find out. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll try September. Um, yeah, I, I had to do, I was on set at 8, 8 a.m. I was helping at the cinemas today. So um, I was on set from 8 till 12.30 on a one film. And then from 1.30 till 4, I believe... I was on a, another set in the afternoon. So, and all that was, and that was chase sequences. And that was fucking tiring. So literally all day, what I was doing was running all day. Um, really, if you want to lose some calories, uh, running's pretty fucking good. Um, if you didn't know. But, uh, yeah, running is, it's, uh, it's beneficial. Who knew? <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much all I did there was a lot of waiting but then there was just a lot of running and uh, that's when you find out just how unhealthy you are kids just how unfit you are I wouldn't say unhealthy I do try to be as healthy as I can even though I do indulge in a lot of uh, takeaway food especially when the uh, old, old Mr. Lazy comes in just says, you know what? You're not cooking a night. You're ordering Uber Eats. You fucking little shit. You pathetic fucking cunt. But, uh... 
That aside, yeah, it was it was a fun day. Tiring day, though. Jesus Christ, it was tiring. Um, I wish I didn't drink all my water before I got there. That was something I regret, drinking all my water. Um, so I didn't have water to drink. There was no bubblers around Redfern. And then when we were at Cooper Park near Bondi Junction, there was no fucking bubblers there. There was one. But I didn't take... Dickhead me didn't take my bag into Cooper Park, so I couldn't fill my water bottle up. So that's my fault, obviously. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's a dickhead on my part, being a dickhead on my part. Uh, but it was a fun day with great people. And uh, so I to see how those trade sequences turn out. Um, believe they're having their screening on Thursday. And uh, I don't know when we'll be able to watch them, but hopefully I'll be able to, like, pop into the editing room because we have a lot of... Actually, yet yeah, next week is fucking packed, I think. Next week is packed. I'm pretty sure. Next week I've got feasibility on Monday. This makes no sense, by the way. I have feasibility on Monday, and then I have third draft on Thursday. A workshop on Thursday with the third draft. But it makes no sense. Shouldn't I have third draft before feasibility? I- I don't, I don't want to get into it, but this just makes no sense. And we've had a, we've had discussion about this in uh, in class too. Uh, yeah, so that's happening. Uh, it's 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 on it's on it's 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 happening, man. Major projects on its way. We've got five weeks till shoot. How scary does that sound? Probably not to you because it doesn't even fucking affect you. But to me, that sounds a little. Uh, it's all, it's, it gets you motivated, but also it's just like, holy shit, I might die of stress <laughs> by the time this thing's over, especially got to find a production designer, um, maybe a producer and, uh, and a location. My God, I've got to find a fucking location. God, that sucked last time. Um, if you have a beautiful idyllic house on Airbnb, hit me up and, um, <laughs> yeah, let me, let me, let, uh, let me have it. Um, but uh, yeah, just before I finish, so that's what's happening in the next four weeks. Just before I finish, I just want to rattle off um, what I might be doing next week. So next week, I want to see, um, I want to see um, fucking Phantom Thread. Um, but I was also hoping to see Annihilation until I found out it was going to come on Netflix. And now here's something I want to talk about. I know I've hit the hour and two, the hour mark. Uh, but we're just going to have a quick chat about this because I need to get this off my chest. What Paramount is doing to this film is fucking criminal. Uh, the thing they've done is they've released it in cinemas in the US and China and I think Canada as well. But everywhere else, we get it on Netflix. And this is a film from Alex Garland who made Ex Machina and he wrote Dread, I believe. Um, he also wrote this other kind of underrated film called Never Let Me Go um, that I uh, don't remember much of it but I did, I've seen it but I haven't remember much of it but X Marking it was a fan- fucking not fantastic not fantastic awesome <laughs> it was a a really great film um, really great sci-fi film love those subtle sci-fi shit um so that was great. 
and uh, I'm really, I was really excited to see Annihilation. I haven't read the book, but I really wanted to get the book. I tried to reach out to my mate uh, who uh, works at a book shop, um, but uh, I don't know how that's going. But I tried to get the book. I uh, really wanted to read the book, but I think I might, what I might do now is just watch the film and then read the book after and see what you know what's going on. But then again, I don't know. <laughs> who knows with me, people? <laughs> I'm a fucking Rubik's cube. <laughs> But I'm also an open book, so it's like kind of an enigma, you know? Um, <laughs> geez, I'm going insane. Um, so I really want to see Annihilation, and I really wanted to see it on the big screen, and it's it's in the trailer. It is fucking articulated to you that Garland wanted everybody to watch this on the big screen. Like, this is like something like Arrival. This is something like Alien. Annihilation was meant to be seen on the big screen. Not on a laptop, not on a little telly, not on a computer. It was meant to be seen on the big screen. And the fucking shit that Paramount is pulling with this shit, the shit that Paramount's pulling, it's fucked. It's fucked up. And what does that say to filmmakers like myself? To what, like, why would I trust Paramount then? Like, why would I trust Paramount? If I want to make this, if I have this idea, I want to make this film, I make the film. And then I have this production company that's going to distribute it to cinemas. And then at the last second, they go, uh, and they go, let's just put it on Netflix instead. That would fucking infuriate me. That would make me so fucking angry. One, I wouldn't want to work with Paramount again. And two, I'd be fucking telling everyone else not to work with Paramount. I've got to imagine how just livid Alex Garland must be about this. Like... My God, he thinks he's built a connection with these people and then they've just, at the last second, they just went, nah, fuck it, nah, Netflix. This one's on Netflix. And and just it just sucks for us here in Australia. It just sucks that we don't get to see this beautiful, what apparently is this amazing cerebral sci-fi on the big screen. We have to fucking live with it. We have to fucking see it on our laptops on Netflix or if we find a big TV which I don't have a fucking big TV here my TV is the size of of my fucking laptop screen times two it's shit so I'm thinking about sneaking my laptop into the school after hours and watching it on one of the projectors but then again the projectors are fucking shit there you can't win people (laughs) you can't win Um, so I'm trying to yeah I might find a good projector and project annihilation on that I'm I don't know whose student rep is at our school yet. I don't know who's chosen student rep but um it might be yeah I think it might be who I'm thinking of but um I'm gonna I'll have a ch- I think I'm gonna have a chat to one of the heads and organize a screening of anybody who wants to see annihilation on the big on a big screen on a big projected screen anybody wants to see it because this does this film does not be deserve deserve to be seen on such a small screen. The the amount of work that has gone into it, the special effect, the visual effects, uh, the the elements of of what he has injected into this film, it doesn't it, it it doesn't it's not supposed to be seen on these screens. It's not. And I think he said it himself, it's not supposed to be screen on the screens, it's supposed to be seen in a big screen in a big cinema with the biggest sound. Just like Blade Runner, just like Arrival. And it's just, it's a fucking shame that Paramount is doing that. It's a fucking shame. So, that's all I've got to say there. That just sucks, man. 
That's all I'm gonna say there. Um, I'm still gonna watch Annihilation, but again, I might have that thing where I can screen it at school and see if anybody else wants to come and see it, if they want to see it as well. Um, and yeah, I just just want to uh, rattle off just some movies for the end of the rest of the year. That these aren't all of them, but these are some ones I do really want to see. Um, uh, where is the fucking memos? Here it is. Uh, yes. So, I also want to... I, I do want to catch Game Night as well, because the trailers look really funny, and I love Jason Bateman. Um, I just... I watch him anything. Jesse Plemons is one I'm warming up to him, I'll tell you what, he's... I'm not even, I'm not even warmed up. I really like Jesse Plemons. Um, I started warming up to him in Fargo. Like, he was in Breaking Bad. He was a... He was a prick in Breaking Bad, but... And that was his character, but in Fargo, I liked him in Fargo, but, and then he proved it again in uh, Black Mirror. And uh, what was that other film that with uh, Molly Shannon? What was that movie? That was really good. Uh, Tomb Raider I want to see because I'm a massive fan of the Tomb Raider games. Um, and I really like Lucy Vikander. I think she's a pretty good... Pretty good? No, I think she's a great actress. <laughs> Uh, but then yeah, the trailers are weird for that and that, that poster god damn let's not talk about that poster again uh, Wes Anderson's new film I Love Dogs that was really cool that was like looks like Fantastic Mr. Fox another spot stop animation movie but it looks very different um, A Quiet Place I'm not a fan of horror but I'm a fan of John Krasinski and uh, Emily Blunt and I would, wouldn't mind seeing that I watched Get Out that was like my first step into horror I guess um, and I watched another thing as well that was a horror, and I'm, I'm kind of warming up to it, but I'm not getting into those movies that like Insidious and shit. Like, no. No. No thanks. Uh, Avengers Infinity War, who the fuck is not? Wait, like, who is not wanting to see that? <laughs> uh, I guess not non superhero fans, but come on. Goddamn. Uh, Tully, another small film I really want to see that was at Sundance. Uh, that has Charlie Theron and Mackenzie Davis in it. Uh, Incredibles 2. I'm not as hot for Incredibles as everybody else is, but, um, like, I enjoy the Incredibles, but I wasn't as, I'm not as hyped for number 2 as everybody else is that now that's, what, 14 years later? So, uh, yeah, like, I'm still going to probably go see it. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that was really cool, and Venom, of course, with, uh, Mr. Tom Hardy himself. Um... Uh, and if that's going to be the way they say it is, it's going to be R-rated. I'm really keen to see where they go. Interested, intrigued to see where they go with that. Uh, there's also some other films as well, but I didn't get to those. Uh, also, Ready Player One too, with by Steven Spielberg. I haven't read the book, but um, the trailers looked good. They've 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 pulled me in. I like Ty Sheridan. He's likable, and. Um, Olivia Cook, I like. I did like her. I loved her in uh, me, me on the Dying Girl, and I loved her in Bates Motel. So, um, yeah, I like her too. That's another thing that's coming out. Thoroughbreds, I think, is another film with Olivia Cook, but it's also got Anya Taylor Joy, who I like, and uh, Anton Yelchin. Um, his last film, apparently, Anton Yelchin's last film. I'm very unfortunate. Very unfortunate we lost him because I thought he was a really great up and coming actor. Um. But yeah, but this is his last film, and it looks looks different. It looks different. I like the two leads, so we'll see what, we got, what happens there. Um, and also, obviously, I want to catch Black Panther. I want to catch Black Panther. Um, but I won't be doing that 
till I tick off these Oscar films. Because the Oscars are next week, man. They're next week. And I might even do a quick little podcast next week. We might recap the Oscars and see what's going on. And I uh, might do my predictions again now to the same more films. Um, who knows? I might just do a quick recap. Um, but yeah, Black Panther, really keen to see. Loving the soundtrack. Um, not all of it, but it's like it's not amazing, the soundtrack. It's kind of like the movie. Because it's. Uh, I feel like the movie's been a bit too overhyped. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, I believe the it's great that people go see it. It's great that um, these people have something to see, um, especially um, uh, young uh, young black people and uh, uh, I guess younger generations even um, like any pretty much any black person, but like younger generations as well, like kids, like uh, my sister with Wonder Woman. Um, these young black kids have something to look up to with T'Challa, with Black Panther. So, um, that's really, that's, it's just, it, it is, it's really cool that that's happening. And, and the way that Ryan Coogler has done it, like, through Val Station is awesome. Creed is awesome. Um, and I have yet to see Black Panther, so I'm really keen to see that. Because I do like Ryan Coogler as a director. And just like Del Toro, you know when he's touched a film as well. That's good. And he's so young too. It's fantastic. Um, uh, and apparently Killmonger is one of the best films we have yet. So, I don't know. That's just what I'm hearing. But again, I'm loving the soundtrack. X is my favorite song. My God, X is, is so good. Uh, that beat is just hits harder than a sledgehammer. I love it. Um, my favorite was King's Dead, but now X is my favorite, or 10, um, because it's... Chorus says AO and 10 yet, AO and 10 yet. So I think it says in 10. I'm guessing the Roman numeral for 10 is X. Well, I know it is, sorry, but I'm guessing that's what it means. Um, yeah, I know I like to touch off with um, a bit of music at the end of it. So, yeah, I'm listening to the Black Panther soundtrack. Um, loving X, loving Ops as well. Loving Ops. King's Dead I'm still listening to and Pray For Me as well with uh, The Weeknd but my two top songs in this soundtrack are Ops and X X being number one All The Stars is good too um, I'm also still listening to The Wombats album Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life MGMT's album Little Dark Age and I have uh, got into Cub Sport um, Australian duo I believe they're a duo and uh, great songs from them great songs uh, one of my favorites being Come On Mess Me Up would be my favorite I guess so far and my second favorite would be Good Guys Go I also like from the Bats album which is their new one was it was it Let you, was it was it Bats or Let You Be was it one of those ones Chasing maybe I don't know it's one of those ones but that's the that's the music we'll listen to at the moment um, if you like just great vocals and um, kind of uh, pop instrumental. Cub Sport is definitely something I recommend. Um, but Little Dark Age is going to be one of NGMT's best albums so far. Congratulations is still, in my in my opinion, the best album. But Little Dark Age is something cool. It's it's so different and it's so awesome. Um, and also I'm listening to Dopamine by Borns. Um... Even though that's his, an album from 2015, I've, I've got into Bourne's... Oh, there's a mute that's playing right there. Hmm? 
It's only three seconds. Good, you can't get sued. <laughs> um, Dopamine, yeah. That was in 2015 that album was released, but I'm listening to it now. I'm just really into it. Loving his, loving his vocal range. You couldn't believe it was a man, to be honest. Um, that's awesome. Um, I haven't listened to Blue Madonna yet, the new album, but I'll get onto that after I'm done with this one. And uh, next week, Tory Lanez's album comes out, Memories Don't Die. So I'll be probably listening to that as well on March 2nd. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, Moot's on Netflix right now. You can see it if you want to, uh, but please do go see The Shape of Water if you love if you love original film and especially it just if you love film in general and you just fucking ah you love it <laughs> you can't get enough of that shit it's like a drug um go see it it's it's absolutely something extraordinary um and um yeah I'll uh Sorry there was no half of this week. I just didn't have nothing to talk about. It was one of the most boring fucking weekends of my life, to be honest. So I had really nothing to talk about, so I didn't really seem to point anything out. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in front of a microphone just going, just breathing heavily, and no one wants, no one wants that. No one wants that. Not even my future wife. Um, no one wants that. So uh, I'll talk to you next week. I don't know if it'll be half or don't know if it'll be the episode. It would definitely be an episode because I want to recap the Oscars, and I'll probably see Phantom Thread next week as well, so I'll be talking about that as well um thanks for listening thank you for supporting um and i'll catch you next week have a safe weekend stay safe pretty much the same thing i just said it twice anyway fucking hell